I think I was telling you about my Raven brew, um, yep. and uh, my uh, chronic group did not meet this week, and uh, I didn't catch up with the Girl Scouts either this week. Really? No, no, they're they're in they're in mad cookie sales right now. Oh. So let me tell you so, something. Uh, for years, that was the worst thing. My daughter was a Girl Scout, and I. You know, uh, we live in the Northeast, so this is like snow, you know, snowy, cold, nasty weather. Right. And they're like, start selling now. Like, that's cool in Georgia where it's 75 and sunny, not so great in New York State. So, yeah, so that they, they won't get started right away, but uh, yeah. All right. So that was our, that was our gaming this week. You, you had right. your, your crew in suspense and, yeah. uh, yeah, for our uh, magical Q&A this week, um, talk about getting something into your game. Um, I like to bring something from the real uh, world of magic out there. Now, I'm going to spell something for you, Merwin. I want, okay. you to, I want you to pronounce this for me, okay? All right. It, it's H-E-C-A-T-E. Give it to me one more time. H E C A T E. Hikate. Oh, very interesting. Are you familiar with Hikate at all? Um, it is a word that I've heard before. Okay. okay. Uh, but I am drawing a blank. I'm guessing its origin is somehow Spanish or Latin. Okay. All right. Or I'll or it could that. be Ital- could be Italian. Um, uh, I'm gonna take a Greek and Roman. Oh. We'll go, we'll go oh. Hakate. Um, it's a that's a Greek. It's a goddess of something, right? Yes. Yes. yes, yes. It's, it's in there. It's in my brain somewhere. Yes. Um, give it to me. Okay. Well, you know, there's you know. When you get into Greek and Roman myth, there's a lot of, you know, things going on. And you sound great right now, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. So Hecate um, is the uh, goddess in Greek mythology capable of both good and evil. Okay. So that's one thing that's really cool when you talk about a deity and we're going to be talking about, you know, world building and everything. Uh, One that crosses over the lines is something to think about, especially now that the alignments have kind of been blurred. The other thing is that she's associated with witchcraft, magic, yeah. the moon, doorways, creatures of the night like hellhounds and ghosts. Um, and and as you know, you do more research about her, um, you find out that um, she is even uh, associated to Egyptian mythology. Okay, um, going into Set and the dog-headed. Um, you know, uh, bringer uh, from the realm of the undead. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is really uh, where I want to kind of bring that. We were been talking about, you know, ripping stuff off and use it in your campaign world, make it part yep. of your story. Um, she's also been depicted as a uh, three headed goddess. Okay. And also as a dog. And when you think of the three headed dog, you know who I'm talking about, right? Who's the uh, dog? My uh, ex-fiance? <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, Cerebrus, right? Cere- the yes. The dog, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, um, the other thing that's really cool when you do research um, about 
her and her name is her pronunciation. Okay. Okay. And it's funny because we're talking about Cerebrus, right? And we know that J.K. Rawlings, you know, stuck Cerebrus in uh, there. I was oh, waiting for you to get to this. Yeah. Wait, wait. You know, let's uh, spoilers. Uh, fluffy. You know, fluffy, right? So she kind of sneaks that in there um, sort of as like a hats off um, to, you know, to Hecate in, in a way. Uh, but, but the other thing that makes it really interesting is that there are two pronunciations of the name. Okay. okay? So there's Hecate and Hecate. Okay. And both are actually correct. But the, but, but the mispronunciation, you know, comes down to different syllables. Mm-hmm. There's even some discussion that the real pronunciation is hidden. Okay. Uh, you know, for like real magical reasons, and that's why we have these two that we kind of toy with. Right. Well, that's with. a uh, that's a so that's a that's a long-standing um, bit of magic lore. The idea that the true name of something, if you know it, it gives you power over it. Right. That's, right. Which right. Uh, which you know, modern iterations connects. <clears throat> in modern iterations, it connects to the Fae. Uh, in older versions, when we were allowed to be edgy and have demons and devils. Uh, and nobody got their panties in a twist. Um, back in the day, uh, that was a big thing with 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 you know demon or devil contracts and whatnot. Is that you know uh, if you could get if you could get the devil's true name that held your contract, you could force him to break the contract. Right, right, exactly. So it's it's, it's very interesting. And now what I find even more interesting, we go back to J.K. Rowling and the mispronunciation of a spell, um, the Leviosa. It's not Leviosa. Leviosa. It's Leviosa. No, it's Leviosa. Now, if that is not a Hecate, Hecate uh, play um, on magic and the debate, and and it's even funny because even in one of these articles it says, the argument is still left unsettled and we aren't settling it. Right? This is from like... You that's know. every that's every internet article for the last ten years. Is they put up some giant flashy headline, we're gonna figure this out, and then they don't because they don't they they don't want to do that, uh, which uh, is going to be a segue into our later topic when we you know set the entire show on fire. I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah, so spo- I, spoilers. I just want to put her out there um, as something to investigate. Um, yeah. Uh, we get into the pronunciation. I think is you know is something else I wanted to bring out. Yeah, no, uh, I like that. So the great point about the demons and the fiends. Yeah. Let me uh, and let me hit up a couple of uh, of of game connections because yeah, sure, um, a lot of the things that you have said, and we're going to talk about world building the the first half of tonight. Um, and there's a lot of points that I have and things that I've done um, that tie into exactly what you were saying. So first, um, <clears throat> there's a. There's a well. There's a line. You know the movie Constantine. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. there's the lot when when Satan shows up and Gabriel uh, starts you know calling him all the other names, right? Um, you know, most unclean. And he goes, "Oh, the old names are the best ones." Like <laughs> that shit stuck with me forever, right? And I, I, when we get into the world building, I'm gonna tell you, there's a lot of little influences that have shaped how I do it over the years. That's one of them. Because I, I just I remembered that line, and it stuck with me because, just like Hikate, whatever you know, I, I realized that um, the gods in my homebrew 
um, are known differently in different cultures. Uh, Owen, who was one of my, who was in the in the chat, uh, and again, thanks for the feedback, um, has got to experience the the absolute lore whore that I am. Um, so gods have different names based on different cultures. Some versions don't show up. The the goddess of the moon doesn't show up for dwarves because they don't give a shit. Um, there's different versions in, in different places. The evil gods, uh, the same way. Um, so then that that whole name thing. Uh, always stuck with me. So uh, the goddess that they are traipsing around and dealing with right now um, is Sinane, uh, the temptress, the breaker of oaths, or my favorite name, uh, because she is the consort of the god of the damned. She is the whore of Ketmash. That's my favorite title for her. <laughs> yeah, I, even, I even like names, you know, using names like having signatures, like when they yeah. have to do the devil contract or something, and, and you yep. make your players sign their character's name. Yeah, um, I have a lot of fun with that. Actually, uh, I have those. You know what I should? You know what I should do? I will. Um, I will. I have a prop. I'll try to find it um, here uh, when you're talking uh, to drop. Uh, I made devil contracts because in my other campaign they uh, they made a deal with a hag, uh, okay. so they had they had okay. contracts. I'll drop the. I'll try to drop the graphic in the in the chat here in a, in a few minutes. Very but nice. um, but no. So I had that uh, a, a while back. I hit upon the idea for having you know having the. Um, the gods have different aspects. So, um, you know, I like the homebrew deities for the players based on kind of what they want their in-game experience to be. This is another good point for DMs and for players with the collaborative world building and making an interesting character. You can be a cleric, but if you can get your, you know, if you're DM school homebrewing and you have a certain personality or style or even mechanical things you want to do, Pitch a domain specifically for your character. Make a new god for it, and then your gameplay will be something unique, and that leads to you know again an interesting oh, yeah, character. Absolutely. Too. So I, you and know, even I, the DM too, because then the DM sinks their hands into this new yeah, god. Yeah, they get new things they can do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, to to conclude uh, my point, like I said, I those are a lot of those things that you mentioned with Hakate are all things that that I have worked in because I realize that history is the best fantasy of all. Like, it's, there's, there's shit. I've been listening to a, a podcast series about the history of Rome, and the things that happened in the historical record, you're just like, I would never have thought of that in a million years, and that's awesome. I'm definitely stealing that. Yeah, so anybody out there that, you know, especially our live folks, you got a topic for, uh, you want a magical q and I, I love doing my research. Hit, hit us up, and, and I'll bring it back to our next show. All right. Well, that's awesome. So, uh, now we're going to move on a little out of order today. We're going to move on to our shameless plug of the day. So uh, in case you haven't noticed from the logo or anything that we have said, this podcast is brought to you by Dungeon Studios, uh, who is getting ready to launch their second Kickstarter. I believe it's coming up on Black Friday. So uh, you got money to spend. You got a nerd in your life. Please feel free to give us that cash. Uh, also, you can find us on uh, and support the podcast uh, through all the usual sources, Patreon, uh, or through the Kickstarter, we appreciate anything that you yeah, do. Yeah, we got it. We have a new website too. It's yeah, uh, we do. It is dungeonstudios.co. I mean, you can't mess that up. It's simple and and it's awesome. We got everything laid out there for you to check out. There's even some free stuff to go smash and grab. Go check out the Enron Chronicle. They got free stuff there, man. Check it out. Yeah, I believe there's two free copies you can grab off the site. You also have the opportunity uh, to pick up uh, modules individually from the original Kickstarter uh, through the website. But also, 
uh, as we will get into more details later, uh, during our break, we actually have the, the, uh, pretty sweet and sick looking ad for the second Kickstarter you guys can enjoy while we're, uh, grabbing, uh, refilling our drinks. But that's that gnome that does all the production, right? He's pretty good at that stuff. Yeah. It is pretty stellar. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I am impressed, and I had nothing to do with it, which makes it all the better for me. So uh, with that being said, though, um, I want to take a moment. We're going to talk about world building, and uh, since the Kickstarter features seven separate adventures, all within the world of Enron, uh, which is the setting uh, for Dungeon Studios and the backbone of the products that we are putting out, I wanted to take a moment to go through uh, information about the Kickstarter and, uh, in particular, right here, the modules, a little bit about them, uh, yeah, sure. and uh, some of the world building stuff that that you know we glean from that can lead us right into the main topic when we start talking about our homebrews uh, and, and a bunch of other stuff. So, uh, why don't you lead it off? While I find my devil contract to put in here for no particular oh, reason sure. and for no one to sign. Start us off with the Briny Botel. Yeah, yeah, Briny Botel um, is our low level. Uh, first to third level module where you're going to try to find a murderer kind of set up like psycho uh really kind of cool there's suspects very murder mystery uh, old creepy hotel at the seaside some sea caves to explore really cool i think it's very neat uh misty tower is ah uh, that gnome yeah crazy gnome built some crazy tower um in well hang on we'll magic Wild magic mists to top it off, right? So uh, let me ask you really quick. Yeah. Uh, before we get too deep, uh, I was curious. So um, you're the writer on that, if I if I remember yeah, correctly. Correct? Yeah, I was. I wasn't gonna say that. I was just gonna no, no. You, you got just shameless plugs, plug and you got to plug no, yourself. Not, I don't like so to I know we've. I no look. It's good. I know we've talked about it. So I want to ask you a question about that module. Sure. Um, the party is seeking an object that. Um, was in the possession of a crazy gnome. So explain to me uh, why a crazy gnome, why that character? Is there a deeper connection? Did it just sound cool to you? How did you decide that that was going to be who had the object? Oh, well, I guess, I guess because when I, when I joined Dungeon Studios a year ago, I test played a wild magic gnome uh, and named him Quizzle. Okay. Um, and at the same time, I had had a, I had a arcane trickster named Quizzle in another campaign. So it sort of just became my thing that all my gnomes were named Quizzle. Okay. Um, and then they would have like a, a different middle name. Um, and then they'd have a different last name. So Quizzle Zarhole Polytinker or Quizzle Zebrily Polyjinx. Um, it was just sort of a thing I started going with. And then when I had to uh, come up with a concept was going to be this tower in the mists um, and was really chasing this warlock looking for this object, right? This mm -hmm. artifact. Um, I was like, well, who would have a tower in these crazy mists in the first place? I had played a wild magic gnome in Enron already, which is our world setting. So bingo, that became uh you know, the convergence of the Quizzles happened at this wild magic location in a vast. Um, and then meanwhile, there's a sick cultist leader uh, named Alistair Asborn who wants to retrieve 
one of the Hell's Bells of Enron. Mm-hmm. And these bells, you know, we were just talking about uh, demons and fiends. The bells work similarly to the name calling, um, but each bell can summon uh, a different demon. Now, if you know its name, you might be able to control it when it gets there. You have about yes. a minute. Uh, Fig- when, on the clock, you- figure it out. Yeah, you're on. No, the I like it. No, it's good. That's good stuff, uh, man. So, yeah, well, so don't you give actually w- have to get this warlock. Don't give away too much. We don't give them away too much. We uh, want them to buy the module. Oh no! I, I, okay. <laughs> I got. I got. I got your rolling on it. I apologize. There's a lot more. There's a lot more. A lot yeah. More. No. No. It's good. I like. I like that kind of stuff, and I like the. Uh, um, I personally am, was uh, always a home brewer, but I like the depth that goes into a lot of this kind of stuff. And um, one of my favorite things uh, is the accessibility of you know, small time creators and whatnot with product. You can get stuff that fits your table, fits what you like uh, at the level you want. Uh, and, you know, our stuff is uh, certainly uh, in the mix of that. Like I said, um, it's pretty good. So uh, before we go on to the next couple of adventures, just again, a reminder, you know, uh, hit like, uh, hit subscribe, follow, you know, hit follow, whatever you're listening to us on. And don't be, yeah, uh, don't, yeah. And don't be shy about sharing it with your friends. Uh, we ought, we have, uh, a bunch of collab uh, people that we have, um, you know, shouted us out. We're shouting them out and whatnot. Doc's got a whole list, uh, and we'll get to a couple of them in a minute, but let's move on to the next module in the set, uh, is dark escape. Thank you. Right. Yeah. And which is, I'll get, well, you just, I, I'll get this one. So, uh, uh, dark escape, uh, takes your players prepared to do a thing and then suddenly turns the tables on them so that what they are doing is not what they expected to be doing. And now they got to figure out how to survive, adapt and escape, uh, when they weren't expecting to be where they show up at. And I don't want to spoil too much. Uh, but I, you know, I definitely think that that is uh, good to do to the players. The more powerful the characters get, the longer people play, the more accustomed to things they get, the more routine things become. Uh, and uh, if I dare say it, perhaps the more lazy the players get. So it's good to shake that up every now and again. Well, you I know. think the other thing, we talk about world building. Um, I think the other thing about um, Dark Escape that's important is for the world building of Enron, it's introduction to our nether void. Mm-hmm. Or underground, uh, you know, new underground creatures and things like that that you've never encountered before. So that's kind of cool part too. I yeah, like that. that is that is a good thing too. So there's a lot of people that, um, not well. I have one of our one of our play testers uh, is bo- You know, is one of the guys that you know he's seen all this stuff before. You know, he likes new challenges, new monsters. A lot of players get stuck in a loop where you know characters die, things don't go very well. And they find themselves rerunning the same levels and whatnot, you know. So uh, it allow this kind of stuff where we build new monsters, unique to the setting, uh, really gives them a chance to feel that wonder again. You know, we all know what an orc is, we all know what a dragon is, but do we know what the uh, uh, you know uh, what do we have? The, do you know what a logger is? How about a glacial one? You don't, but you'll find out. And there's a cave, the a cave logger in that one. Watch okay, that. very nice. Yeah, and then and then the next the next one is another world builder for us, right? Rise of the Raven Lord. Yep. Um, introduces our Skurg 
and the dark, shadowy realm of Enron. So, you know, it builds on that um, whole, and, and you could just imagine the Raven Lord uh, being the leader of that darkness. Um, really exciting module. I've already gotten to play test that one once. Nice. Uh, so that's really, really exciting. And uh, hey, by our adventure team lead Owen there too. Very nice. Speaking of play testing, just so you guys know, um, if you're interested in being a play tester, you're looking for uh, casual pickup games. Uh, we are always happy to have fresh victims. So you know, check us out. Uh, you can get into our Discord, become a play tester yourself, and then uh, you know you can get on in on the tail end of what we're doing right now. And also find yourselves uh, in a position to play test the next set of new stuff that we come up oh, with. Oh yeah, so, absolutely, wonderful. We uh, have lots of stuff to play test too with our uh, Patreon. We have uh, our side adventures to be tested. We're going to have some games to be tested. There's going to be a lot to be tested. So if you're out there, you know you're into games. We're going to have a lot going on. Wonderful. So after Rise of the Raven Lord, we get into Pillars of Light. Yeah, Pillars of Light, and I and I I'm, I I don't want to talk too much about it because I'm in the midst of the play test mm -hmm. um, with it right now. But really, really cool. Um, you meet an insectoid race, and you've got to kind of figure out what's happened to them and help them survive. Um, it's really exciting, um, and then. Can I can I say who the big bad guy is at the end, or do you keep that one as? A no, you know what? Let uh, well, first of all, when it's they want the cover, I mean. when they watch the commercial, they're going to see who the big bad guy at the end is. So go ahead and spoil it. All right, all right. So there's there's um, no, no. I mean, I don't want to say it's, it's because it's it's again what we were talking about is sort of a twist to it. Um, so I'll just let people see the cover, okay? And they have to figure out the twist. I think I think that's a better way to leave it. Um, but uh. Well, but the one thing I wanted to talk about, we uh, skipped over it earlier, but while we were doing the play test, we talked about something that I wanted to bring up, um, and I hope I can stop um, my effective PR uh, for today and a little yep. DM advice that we use for that play test. And I actually think you can use this in any game. Um, Hit me up. What do you got? The, it's the relax, uh, ready and roll okay if if everybody at your table remembers those three things you're going to be ready to play now let, can I, give me a second to explain it all right yeah hit me up all right so when you sit down to play uh any role-playing game you've got to be relaxed and and that means everything to like having your snacks in front of you turn that cell phone off get you know the distractions out of your way get make sure the dogs walked already all that kind of stuff get relaxed get comfortable where you are that also helps you be a better role player in your character if if you're relaxed as a player well yeah i mean how can you uh properly think about what your character would do right. if you are thinking about all the shit you got to do right right you know and 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 frankie says relax don't do it dr platorius says relax please do it when role playing okay Frankie said it for a whole different set of reasons, all right? Then the next one is be ready. Now, this one as a DM, and, and I don't know how to say this because we've all seen it, 
if you're relaxed and you get to your turn in initiative, you got to be ready. Please don't pull the last minute switch. Um, you know, you feel like you're going to do it, but there's a whole nother group of people at that table that it, it's kind of hurtful to make them wait. If you're ready to switch, that's one thing. But if you're making people wait to switch, you're not ready. Yeah, changing your mind in the flyer, you get the analysis paralysis. Right, right. Or that's the great, that's worst, the worst is people who decided they're going to change what they do and they have to like read the spell. Like, I, I got to read the spell Correct. first. Correct. Like, you know, so what, what, I, what I got in the habit of doing, what I would suggest for people, uh, if you want to be uh, a grumpy uh, grognard like me, um, you just say, you got 10 seconds and, I'm, and you're done. You lose your turn kind of thing. Put them out, really put the pressure on them. Or you can be nice and say, okay, I'm going to skip you. We'll come back. You're going to go with the end of whenever you're ready. You're going to go with the end of whoever's going. And again, and, I don't, I don't, I don't really like to do that unless it's actually a timer in the game, you know, like you had like, you know, the, the ceiling's going to collapse or something like that. Cause that's again, part of the relax. Uh, I'm going to go back to that. I don't like to throw people under the bus like that. If you're, but if you're not ready, I'm moving on. Yeah. Because I like, uh, I like the stress and suffering. No, no. I, I kind of move on if people really aren't ready. You know, if, if you're really taking yeah. that long, I'll say, you know, I'm going to defer to you. I'll come back to you at the end of the initiative because obviously your your character is not ready if you're not ready. But anyway, and then the last was the role. And this is the one players do, too, is they'll say, all right, what do I need? D don't ask what you need. Roll that die, man, because you roll a 19 or a 20. The game's going to keep moving. It's exciting. You roll the one or two, same thing. The fail, it's exciting. It's going to keep the game moving. It, all right, you roll a 15. I'll double check what the, the DC was for that roll. Um, and, and a lot of times when you're rolling on the fly, you're going to see that your game becomes far more spontaneous and everybody at the table is having a better time. Um, so the three is relax, ready, and roll. Um, and we use those... Um, during that play test for Pillars of Light. And it <coughs> really, really helped us uh, because we did have some large sets, some large exploration sections where you go through like some different regions, savanna and forest. And just to get through those sections, it was nice to have players kind of just be on point with that stuff. Oh, yeah. So it's excellent. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's another thing that comes up is uh, everyone at your table uh, has a different level of rules knowledge, different level of comfort, different level they want to play at. And as I'm running into uh, with a newer player in my home game, um, everybody puts it together at their own speed. I have a real nasty habit of trying to keep things moving. And what I will do is they'll roll, like, they're like, okay, it's 12. And like, I want to just throw, I, I know what their bonus is because I've done it a million times. Right, right. And I'm like, okay, it's 19, good, you, you missed, let's go. And I'm like, ah, I got to stop doing that because I don't, A, I don't want them to not learn the rules. I had that problem um, in my with my original group, some people that are lifelong friends, love them to death. Um, but for whatever combination of factors, seven years in, 10 years in, 12 years in, there, you know, it's like, hey, make your attack roll. All right, I rolled a seven. Uh, what do I add to that, dude? If you don't know at this point in time, I don't know what to tell you. And it's it's one of those and it's one of those things where like I I don't I don't get it. That's a 
Uh, I know it's a pretty popular uh, format on uh, for all the the D and D channels to talk about the five, you know, ten player habits that suck, or the five worst kinds of players, uh, and whatnot. Um, so I don't want to get I don't want to get into that here. I but that's, that's I think that's that's just an OG thing. Oh yeah, I it's been done there forever. Was, yeah, there wasn't so many bonuses back in those first edition days. It was just roll, you know. Yeah. Well, I will tell you. So um, one of the things uh, you mentioned before in the you got, you got through all three R's. Before yes. we move on to the final the final two modules uh, of the Kickstarter, um, I wanted to point out you said you made you made a, you made a comment about you know initiative being uh, or not she's not initiative. I have not had enough coffee today. <laughs> alignment going away. I have an entire just multi hour rant about alignment that we'll have to get into as a show topic one of these oh, days. Yeah, Don't yeah. let me forget. You and I have been talking about that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yet. Yeah, it's That's one of my favorite things. Uh, alignment's a good one. Um, the And then, uh, you know, player types and all that kind of stuff are, 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 are fertile ground to mine for conversation, uh, which, uh, for those of you guys that like, share, subscribe, and follow us, feel free to throw in the chats or on our Discord ideas, things you want to hear about. We did it last week. Um I was going to do world building last week and we had put up a poll and somebody wanted to hear uh, about character building. And I'm like, you know what, let's go ahead and do that. And then, and we did. So we're happy to get the suggestions. And, we're and more than is, happy to help know, out. We're just, we're just two regular DMS. Uh, and we just want to share what we do with other DMS out there. That's, that's the gig. And we enjoy creating stuff along the way. Well, I would like to think that I'm exceptional, which leads me to the two modules that I wrote, obviously the best ones ever. Uh, <laughs> there is uh, Titan's peak. So, um, I will tell you, I have to be honest uh, to myself, I despise gnomes, and uh, I was never, I never really got like the, the, the magic technology mix stuff that's never appealed to me. I see, uh, I always liked that. I, see, I, it, it was never a thing for me. I, I was, I'm a very Tolkienian kind of guy. Um, never a thing for me. And then, of course, of course... Uh, my first assignment at Dungeon Studios is writing a module that is smack dab inside a giant mechanical kaiju, and you're and you're set and, and it's in the area next to the place where all the artificers and techno magic people are. I'm like, all I need now is for you to tell me there's a bunch of gnomes there, and they go, well, of course, that's the primary race that lives in the area. Of course, it was. So I have a gnome involved giant magic technology dungeon crawl that we are wait, in wait, can you do wait can you do your gnome voice for us that was great oh did you like the gnome voice yeah i did like your gnome voice do uh, your gnome voice for well hey you know what so here's what i'm gonna do guys with your gnome voice. give me a give me a second i'm probably gonna blow up the internet while i do this uh i'm i'm gonna actually since we're since we're, we i got the green light from the producer that we can throw some spoilers out there you want the gnome voice i'm gonna bring up uh, this one of the things that I, I, I like to work into the modules uh, is I like to provide the dialogue whenever possible and as much as possible for the DM, um, you know, so that they can get a feel for how the character sounds and what they're going to say. A lot of. <clears throat> Hey, here. Come on, come on, come on. No, I'm sorry. Sorry, I got distracted. My one of my one of my one of my buddies hopped in the stream, uh, and he's making jokes, and I started laughing. I so come on, come on, uh, I got I got him going. Go, don't you rush me. <laughs> Let's go easy. So, anyways, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm getting I'm getting to it right now. I'm gonna cut this uh, right here. I'm gonna read you a bit of the dialogue, uh, and this is the kind of stuff that you can expect to find uh, throughout the modules. Um, 
you know, when you get the Kickstarter, when you pick these up. Um, but I always love doing it, and uh, I try, like I said, I work very hard uh, to put things, again, in the uh, in the voice of the characters. I want them to sound good. So we are seconds away from the ridiculous gnome voice. But, of course, my computer is loading. My computer is loading as slow as humanly possible because I have so, all the things so going while, on right so now. while he's loading that, it, 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 it is a really exciting adventure. It started in the cold, and we had to be, like, all bundled up. And then I really feel like it has that... Um, X, X, uh, barrier peaks feel where everything's unknown again. It's really cool. Um, I've been enjoying the test play, uh, running through it with my dwarf axing things up. Yeah. And I do like the, uh, I, I, I like that. Um, and you got, you know, with, with that, it's, I'm glad that it worked, has worked out as well as it has, uh, having, um, our group, our, yeah, group our group that we is have figuring this stuff out and is yeah. yeah is digging it kind of digging in there and seeing stuff so that's uh that's great uh apparently we're glitching again so that's i gotta stop trying to open things on the internet it's not a fan of it but just uh, give us some notes i'm just getting there i'm boys. getting give me a second oh i want to read the script i wrote the day i it's, it's, like, it's like i'm gonna read it because i wrote it that's uh <laughs> let's see let's see well, I'm going to read. Uh, let me find a spot here. Uh, uh, okay. <clears throat> Forgers and founders be quenched. You have it. I hadn't noticed till now, but if my hypothesis is accurate, that blade you pried from the Titan's arm is the key to stopping this accursed thing in its tracks. Now hear me out. With all their knowledge, the makers of this thing couldn't find a way to replace or destroy that blade. They had to use it. Harness its powers. I bet that they couldn't destroy it. And that it can be used against this core... And then we can destroy it. Now, give it to me. Give me the blade. Let me finish what must be done. Let my death save us all. Gosh, I just feel like somebody's taking a record and cranking you a little bit faster forward. It sounds so great. I love it. It's like the chipmunks. Oh, it's great. Oh. Uh, wonderful. All right, let me close this down because I'm, I'm obviously destroying uh, our whole thing. So close that down. All right, we're good to go. <sighs> All right, so, uh, but yeah, that is uh, that is a Titan Peaks. Uh, <clears throat> 15 to 17, right, the levels for that? Uh, is that? Actually, I think it's 15 to, yeah, 15 to 17. You are correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can, Obviously, you could tweak that around. You go a little lower, a little higher, yeah. uh, depending on, uh, you know, what you need, where you're at, and what you're doing. Um, and obviously, the, the amount of people you have in your party is going to affect that. Uh, but that is um, a good dungeon crawl with uh, a lot of a lot of a little you know little bits in there a lot of different things to do um and getting better with every play test uh and then finally we have the general's lost galley which yeah all i'm going to say i, I think i would love to just say you're going to need a bigger boat <laughs> you can just leave it at that and i think everyone can kind of figure out what's going on um of course, it is. It always, I always chuckle, and I, I got a laugh out of you for this. Uh, I always love uh, working little jokes in uh, in there because I know it's going to get edited out. People are going to read it, so uh, that's why. As we were preparing the uh, the uh, epic ending encounter for the General's Lost Galley, um, I had uh, the boss monster uh, on the battle map just for testing purposes as little Enzio. <laughs> Uh, I can assure you, he's not little. That's uh, that is a hundred percent not the the case. But yeah, this is uh, this is built on the on uh, a few different concepts. One of the things that we do uh, with the content and the products that we're putting through for Dungeon Studios um, 
is really trying to hone in on certain styles of play to make these accessible. Now, um, even though it is set in our world, um, a lot of the modules are going to have notes on little tweaks that you can make. Uh, the General's Galley is one of these. It's a it's an end game kind of module, um, but it's built on the the five room dungeon concept or the five scene concept. So you can very easily work this into oh, a yeah, single absolutely. night's gaming. Yeah. yeah. Um, you you know, and then you as a DM can kind of weave how you get there, and really. You know, there's only I think there's only really a few things that you would have to tweak. Very minimal changes to the module uh, to seamlessly put it in your home game or whatever setting that you're running, um, and then you're good to go. Or, you know, you could run a full uh, a full Enron campaign, and this is a uh, a good kind of ending encounter. And the beauty of it is because it itself is dun, so dun. contained, right? Dun, dun. Dun, dun, you can go dun, ahead dun, 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 and dun. get to the start of the adventure. Dun, sorry. No, you're good. In a uh, uh, hundred different ways. And uh, it's even written to be flexible. So uh, if you plan to play afterwards and, and you don't like what we've included uh, for epic level treasures, uh, you can go ahead and swap in your own stuff. It's your world. It's your game. Uh, we're just helping you have a better time playing in it. That's all, all we can hope for. So, But yeah, nice, short, sweet to the point. Uh, a bit of a mystery. We build some suspense and then... Things happen. I want you to stay alive, and then they end up. <laughs> and if well, you want to play it cheap, that's what I'm telling you right now. Um, uh, if you're looking for something, I would. I, I we haven't play tested the final fight, but looking at it, um, I think it might be underpowered. Which, according to my playtest group, means it's overpowered. And um, I mean, what better way to end your epic level twenty campaign than getting TPK'd? By demigod. I mean, yeah. why would you not want to do that? Or, or you win and you yourself, you know, you ascend to that. I don't know. That's like level four of play, right? When your when your character becomes the the deity himself, right? Yeah. Well, that's the uh, that that is a classic endpoint for a lot of games. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, so we've gone on a lot about this stuff. So here's what I want to get into with the world building stuff, <clears throat> and uh, um, with all of these things. You know, it's made me think a lot about um, what I do and what I want to have a chat about is kind of your process and some of your influences. Um, and then uh, a big question that comes up is, you know, modules or homebrew? Do you, you know, or do you mix them? Do you play somebody else's setting? Do you work modules into your own? Uh, and I get a lot of different things. And, and I know you're running, you, you run. Uh, a homebrew, but right. it's based off of Strahd. Right, right. Uh, I ran a lot of Forgotten Realms and Dragonlance uh, back in the 90s uh, when I was coming up. Excuse me. <clears throat> when I was coming up, I ran a lot of that stuff. Um, but I never used the the modules because um, I, you know, we, my part, you know, my players kind of mocked the, the book adventure. They didn't like it. I mean, well, I mean, they didn't like the delivery or the writing. Uh, a little bit. So here's the thing. So the um, one of the things that we got in that I always wanted to do, and that um, I tried to you know kind of get everybody I brought into the game to do was the idea that the game is is open ended. You can you can do anything you want to do. You build you know you build the story. Uh, you know the, the DM controls you know events and things that happen. But at the end of the day. 
you know, yeah, it's, it's you guys have crafted group. the story together, yeah. right? So, the book adventures, uh, <clears throat> as we call them, back in the day, a lot of them. There's a couple. There's a couple things I didn't realize. Let me let me phrase it like this. Um, wait, wait, can, I, can I just wait? When you yeah, hit me up. Book, when you say book adventures, you're saying because they were like the Dragonlance books. No, 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 no. Because you would, you would. Or do you mean book adventures? Because they're just sorry. Typed. For uh, for well, for all you youngins out there, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna speak old person for a minute. So you would go down to the game store, or to the mall where the where the game store had an outlet, and then you would go to the the book rack, in a physical store, and there would be dozens of sealed, beautiful ready to go modules on a little on a cranky metal rack little books they were little books and you would buy the little book and you'd go home and you'd tear into it and pour over it and you would love it it would have maps and artwork and it would have or you had to know the secret code works they didn't actually have it out where i grew up but anyway go ahead oh oh, really yeah yeah you had to ask you had to give the secret code word ask if you could see the dungeons and dragons stuff and then they put you in a closet like you were in like the porno room really yeah yeah they didn't want anybody else to see it and and then when you went and bought it they like wrapped it up real quick it was nuts oh that's hilarious yeah no seriously dude it wasn't that uh it wasn't uh it wasn't that bad uh in my generation but the you know it was definitely way easier to go to the the game store when it was you know separate but that's um, what you're talking about you're talking about the actual model. yeah yeah it was a physical book that's what that, yeah so we call them book adventures and uh one of the things that got that we didn't like or that was a concern was um you know there's some conceits in those things in every module that we didn't really understand um as players and as people running the games that you know, it it assumes you're gonna take the adventure hook. It assumes that you're gonna complete what's in the module. Right. That you're gonna be motivated to do it. So some of my players were contrarians. Were like, I'm not gonna do it just because you want me to do it. Uh, there are those types. Um, and then, but you or and then you had the ones that if the hook wasn't interesting to them for whatever reason, um, they weren't gonna do it. We didn't understand the the kind of social contract in the game that. The DM is going to put together and put forth content, and you got to buy one of the you gotta, hooks. You got to do something, not, right? Or you're not playing. <laughs> yeah, and that was that, and that's one of the things that we were not great with back in the day, and then it and it led to a lot of games kind of falling apart because I'd put a couple things out there, and nobody would it wouldn't be what they wanted to do, and then you know you get some frustration going on, and all that kind of stuff could happen. So uh, you know, and then of course. Um, I didn't do any real game prep when I was, uh, you know, coming up early, right? So everything was off the top of my head. Uh, my descriptions were amazing. Things were rocky and barren and pokey <laughs> and gray, and nothing had a smell. Nothing had a se- nothing had a smell. Nothing had a taste. Nothing had a feel. Um, it's, that's what you got. Uh, one of my uh, one of my you know one of my uh, friends when he would run games, like he would get he'd get caught up on a word. So there was one session, I think he said the word dilapidated about 360 times because <laughs> everything was dilapidated. So, and we, you know, and, and they're great, they're great memories. That's the thing. They're, they're great memories. Um, but yeah, we never, we never cared for them. So I was always a homebrewer, right? So um, what I wanted to get into with the topic was the idea of, of, 
you know, where you get your inspiration from, kind of what your process is. Uh, and then, you know, you know, why go off a book? So for me, um, uh, my process has always been the same kind of core thing. Um, I will do nothing until the last minute and pray to God that I'm hit by a bolt of lightning and I get an inspiration. Um, it's not really that bad. What it usually is, is so I, um, I have a couple ways that I build stuff. Uh, so I build it by, uh, I'll see something and it will, insp- you know, I'll get the thought it'll inspire me. You know, I'm like, oh, that's cool. How can I work into the game? Like your Hakate thing. You know, I come across that in, in a class and I'm like, huh. Hmm. How can I add this in? How can I add this? Right. Um, or I'll get a scene in my head and that's what I want to kind of build around. Uh, and that's how I would always do it. So I'd wait for that to come up and then I would I, I would develop it in my in the background of my brain um, pre-game and then I would never write anything down um, and I would just wing everything, <laughs> which was cool when I was younger and my brain worked fine. <laughs> Doesn't do that anymore. Um, and I've been putting more and more work in. Um, so that, that's... that's funny. It's, it's funny because... Because I think when I was younger, the thing I enjoyed most was we would make like a contained world. Like let's say the the map was just like this rectangle, mm-hmm. and then and then we'd say, oh, we put like a cornerstone so that you could like travel off the west side and you would come up on the east side, like a video game, right? Yeah. The world map, and and then to us it was always like you were trying to get outside of that world, right? You know, and we always had like a world inside a world inside a bottle inside a, so it sort of became like a Russian doll thing. That's that's the way ours always turned out. Something like that. You'd get outside of it, and then there'd be more in another world and another world. And another. Yeah. So for me, so uh, my thing, and uh, my players give me shit about this to this day, and this is we're literally literally thirty two years later, and I'm still hearing the same bullshit from them. Um, when I was younger, I would dive in and everything went a thousand miles an hour to be some world ending catastrophic. You need to be the hero to solve it kind of thing. Right. There was never downtime. There was never anything minor that happened. Everything was always some gigantic (laughs) thing. Right. That's how it was. Um, but I will tell you, so some things that inspired me, And as I got older, the more I played, um, and I will tell you guys, DMS, right now um keep at it the more you do it the better you get um and you know don't get discouraged don't give up that that's the big thing but oh yeah absolutely um i hit a couple of milestones over the years that really shaped how i built the world i want to share a couple of them with uh, a couple of them with you and then um you can tell me about your journey from from youth to now and how you world built um and you know so I never used modules, did everything from, from, from homebrew. And when I started out, I was very much uh, young, brash, egotistical. Everything I do is perfect. My first draft is awesome. I don't need any corrections. Um, and obviously I'm right. And <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I would just go with that, right? Um, and I kept, my world was my thing because nobody was going to do it the way I wanted it. It wasn't going to be, you know, your idea is not as good as mine or I'm better uh, or, well, it's my world and I can't let you you change things because it's not your world. So, I was like that for, I don't know, 43 years of my 45 years of being alive. <clears throat> well, maybe not that bad. But I was like that for a long time. So, my world building stagnated because yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm heavy on the creative spectrum. 
uh, like we've talked about, you know, so I, I was always coming up with stuff, but it was just me, right. just my in, input, just my perspectives. Uh, and it, you know, it, it was good. It wasn't terrible. Obviously people, people play the games, but it wasn't what it could be because I was, I was excluding so much stuff. Right. So one of the, so like I said, so one of the milestones that I hit, um, that really changed things was I listened to a podcast so listen to ours, like, share, and subscribe, uh, and you'll get there too. But I listen to a podcast, uh, and I listen to it, uh, a theory, and there's actually a, a the guy uh, th- who has the theory, he has a documentary um, that just came out, I believe, on Netflix. I, I can't wait to watch it. But I listened to a podcast, and the guy was talking about, um, you know, Gobekli Tepe, uh, which is a, a, a Neolithic site that... Yeah, I know you're talking uh, about, yeah. yeah that has these crazy stone structures and carvings and things that we didn't think humans could do until, you know, you know, uh, you know, four or 5,000 years ago. But the site is like 15,000 years, I think it's 12,000 years old. Um, you know, and I listened and he was on a podcast with a guy called, you know, his name is Randall Carlson. I think that's right. I might, I might've got that wrong. Um, but he's on there with a, with a geologist and they're talking about the Sphinx and how, People say the pyramids and the Sphinx are 5,000 years old, but if you look at the weather erosion around the Sphinx, it's actually closer to 15,000 years, they think, between 10 and 15, right? Right, um, this is a big controversy. Big controversy. And then they got into this thing um, called the Younger Dryas Impact Theory. Short version of it is civilization builds up to heights that we can't understand and then gets whacked by a comet, a meteor, wiped out by disease. Something stupid happens, and we, and we get thwacked, right? And it basically puts us back to the Stone Age. <clears throat> you know, all the technology gone. So anything that is not really permanent, like giant stone structures, is gone. Just, you know, wiped out. Right, and then people, right. and then all the advanced shit people learned goes away. Because you're, you're back at a point where now all you got, all you're doing is struggling to not get eaten by, you know, dinosaurs. Right. Right. It's and by creatures. find, so yeah, find something to eat, find somewhere to live. Right. You don't have time for computer science when you got to kill a goddamn woolly mammoth with a spear. You, you ain't got time for that shit. And I, and I listen to this podcast and I go, son of a bitch, because in my world building, what I had all, everything was always a very compact timeline, uh, start to finish. The gods made it. People are here. And there was no depth to it. It was very shallow, right? There, you know, like dungeons were, didn't have a reason to have them. They, you're just supposed to have dungeons. Ruin, ruins are just, yeah, ruins are there because they're there. And maybe it was like, yeah, it was a war a couple hundred years ago. There was no depth to what I was doing. And I listened to that podcast and I'm like, well, son of a, I go, that's, it was so interesting. And I'm like, well, shit. I'm like, I need to start, I need to do that because that, that makes so much sense. And it, it gives a context and a feel to things. And I like lore and it allows me to build up that very easily. And then players find stuff and they're like, you know, like one of the things I started doing, very sim- a very simple thing, very simple trick you can use. Um, when you find loot, it's like, oh, it's gold pieces. I never described a gold piece except for the very first part of my very first game in a campaign. I'd be like, hey, just so you guys know, uh, copper pieces are called thumbs, silvers are called eagles, and the golds are called crowns. Like, that's it. That's all you got. And then 
I had this revelation. I started deepening my world building. You know what I did? I said, okay, you find you find a chest full of coin, chest full of coins, and and then I would make it a point to say, you know, uh, crowns. No, yeah, no, you know, but you you look at these. Uh, yeah, you look at these, and you see, you know, coins and shapes and and of compositions and languages, things you don't recognize, you know, or you know, you you know, there's coins in here. That date back to the the first dynasty of uh, you know of the Regalum, uh, five hundred years ago. You're like wow, those have been here for you know, and now immediately like oh, these have been here for five hundred years. Yeah, but there's coins you don't recognize, in languages nobody speaks, with people you know you don't you know things you don't you know things you don't recognize, and it immediately creates a depth. Now they're still worth they're, they're money. They're worth money. That's that's what they are in the game, but that little thing, a, a couple of lines of description, oh, yeah. gives yeah. a depth to it. Second thing. Oh, yeah, so go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. Your second yeah. thing. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no. The second thing I got to with world building was paying attention to the names of things and making sure they sound the same. Simple trick I use for this: uh, if I if I have a culture if in my game that's going to be an analog, you know, has an analog to something in the real world, I will try to use the language of that real world culture. Um, as the base, and then you you fantasify it. You you move some letters around. You add a K to everything. Whatever you do, some trick to take the actual language and turn it into the people, places, and things in that part of the world. So when you so in, so in my campaign, when you are in the Vundgren forest, dealing with you know, and in the city of Tavelstad, um, you know, uh, you know, you're part of the Oskolovish Empire. Um, you know, and the uh, the war masters, the Meazrasbul, all of those names that I just I just threw out there. You know, and, and you're dealing with the council uh, whose members are Bounderschein or uh, the Doe, um, you know, Limia Grunheim. They all sound the same-ish. They all sound like they're from the same area. So if you go to cities in the Vungren, people are going to sound that way, and it ties it together. And then you can start yeah, recognizing that does, it. That does give it a lot of depth, right? Absolutely. And then you, yeah, and then you can recognize it, like. You know, so if uh, if somebody shows up, you know, in the city and their name is, uh, you know, is uh, Lucas Aurelius, you're like, they're not from around here, right? Exactly, yeah. And it, it's it was su- and it was such a simple thing to do, and I never paid attention to it before. So you know, so I, I make my names like that way. It's a good tip, and it and it re- again it builds depth, but it makes it more immersive. And then the third thing, uh, which uh, I had hit upon earlier, you had said um, that line with from Constantine. Um, having that things are called diff- things have different names in different places. What a simple thing to do. Add a couple of titles. This is what this culture calls it. This chain, and then again, you immediately you you pull people in and you start to realize what you know they do. Their religion is different. The name for things is different. They focus on it. Uh, a good example is with con languages, right? Um, so the Dothraki from Game of Thrones. Uh, I watched the whole thing on the guy building the language. And he goes one of the ways that we really solidify that this culture is its culture is that the Dothraki language has like 11 words for horse, but no word for boat because they don't go on the water, right? So those are three things that I picked up that really changed my world building, those little tweaks. Um, no, those are great. Those yeah, so, are great pointers. So man. let me put it over to you, man. So what, uh, you know, Excellent. what's your world building journey? How'd you start, you know, and, and like I said, you're building off a module, which is a different thing than I do. So yeah. tell me about your process. Tell me about Raven Brew, why you do it that way. Um, 
I guess I guess I've always been a, a mix master. Um, I've always pulled uh, stuff, uh, you know, published stuff and thrown it into my world or into our world. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I've always also kept the world always open ended. Like you never get to the end. I like that whole like, is the world still flat? Uh, kind of concept. We were talking about that earlier, you know, like inside the Russian doll kind of thing. Um, I've always liked that, like in Discworld, um, you know, they're on the back of the turtle. Um, so One I, of my favorites. I, yeah, I mean, I always I always like that in, in a fantasy setting. So so that used to be my, my go-to. Um, this Raven Brew really came out of the fact that... Um, there's so much material, so much source material for the same stuff, if that makes sense, um, that I can look at something three different ways. Like I can look at Curse of Strahd or even Castle Ravenloft in, in three completely different lights from like the first writing of it. Um, oh, are you saying then, different editions? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no, you're 100% right. And that's... Uh, that's know, a lot to do with the game philosophy that has uh, defined each of the editions of the game, but that's, and, I never thought about that. It's a great, that's a great thing. And 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 that's something that I really took to Raven Brew was that my Raven Brew was going to be like nobody else's. Um, I was going to look at my Strahd and look at the old Strahd and this Strahd and that Strahd and how do my players fit into it. Um, and, and that becomes the other thing is that I don't like to build too much because I like my players to sort of pick up the lead and sort of build the campaign. Now, you don't have to build too much world building with Ravenloft because they're going from domain to domain to domain to domain, which is just my Russian doll thing again, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I, I just love that. Um, so so it, in that case, um, with, with the Raven Brew, even if they go and look at stuff or read stuff or remember stuff, um, because one of the guys playing was the Ravenloft DM back in the day, right? I've got to hit him with, you know, a curveball. And, you know, Van Richten's guide's there for everybody. Mm -hmm. I can't go straight off Van Richten's guide either, you know? And then there's always these bits, and, and this is something that's bothered me um, since I've been back in the game and looking at some of the new writing, the style. There's these parts in there for the DM that are like very, very descriptive and furly and adjective, and it, it's not something you get to share with the players. Like, I get you're supposed to put it in your head and, and feed it back out to them, but I feel like sometimes there's 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 a lot tossed between when it should be actually read to the players and when it shouldn't and when you're talking about world building and you know buying modules and those things in the old days they weren't always set up that way you know they were set up much more sandbox um with just what was in the room and you had to figure out everything that was going on um then it got to you know the dialogue boxes and then things didn't make sense. They were saying what was going on, right? Right. But then it didn't make sense. So that's where I went to, well, I'm just going to take what you have and and put what makes sense to me with my, you know, science background and that kind of thing. And and we were talking about that in the last in the last episode with with our modules coming out. You know, putting in 
monster motivations and things like that. Yeah. To me, that's really important part of world building and what you were talking about with the depth, right? Like the different groups and different fractions in a region always help a game. And you were talking about that. Yeah. And it was funny. You were talking about the names and then you were talking about how the names help those different regions and stuff. Yeah. To me, I also found that names can really, really um, springboard a whole campaign. Um, I do a lot of random campaign generation. So as we're playing, we roll and I was running this campaign in Philadelphia and we ran into these orcs mm -hmm. and I came up with this idea. Oh, we're going to call them the black fang orcs. And then like the next time we sat down to play the orcs or orcs came up again. So I'm like, okay, this is the purple toe. Um, and before we knew it, we had built this huge thing where there were all these different tribes of orcs running around the land that were became part of the campaign, became part of the world building, if that makes sense. No, uh, 100%. Um, and that goes to what you said about it's everybody's story. I always turn back to my players um, and see, you know, what did they want to pull back in? What did they want to have involved? Um, even in the college days, it was like, okay, what do we want to have in the campaign? We're going to get together. What are we going to do now? We didn't have a world, but it was like, all right, let's, let's, let's do some of that Melibonian stuff from the old D's and demigods that they ripped off. Let, let's use some of that in this campaign. All right, we're going to, we're going to base it on that. And then we just sort of go from there. So I like keeping things open-ended. I'm going to say it, JJ Abrams, I hate you, you mystery box guy. Um, but I love the mystery box. So that's really my big thing. I got to tell you, I got uh, I got some stuff. I got, uh, uh, knowing what comes up in the second half of the show, I got a couple of things that um, reference Mr. Abrams, Mr. Box. I was already going to drop a little thing about that. I love it. So. <laughs> no, it's no, it's all, it's all good stuff. So, yeah, I mean, there are a lot, like I said, there's, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Uh, just build the, the last thing that I'll close out on as we uh, move into our break. Um uh, <clears throat> with a couple of final thoughts, and then I'm going to tell you the story of the worst dragon fight in the history of Dungeons and Dragons for me, anyways. <laughs> I actually have I actually have two terrible epic battles to stories that I'll share, um, but today will be the dragon one. Um, the one of the other big things that I did was like I said I opened it up and I started to world build with other people. I didn't do that until I started teaching some people how to run the game. Um, and you know, you're at that point, you're confronted with the fact that people have good ideas. Now, maybe it's not your cup of tea. Uh, they, they come up with something that's awesome, but it's not what you like. It still is awesome. Right. Um, and so when I started letting people, teaching people to run games, um, and I saw how much their world building inspired me to build my world more and how things could connect and you know kind of like that's the, saying. yeah that's that's what happens to me too it's the other people around me that yeah. help kind of like yeah it's kind of like the uh like the the crazy charlie day like conspiracy no think you know looking at all this like oh you said this about about this section and this is a thing that you were going to do this is awesome i'm going to steal this good to go great you know that kind of thing having that is huge right and that was a bit another big turning point was i started to let other people build things that made it into into the final cut of the world. Now, and maybe I tweaked it. May you know, you know, some things were great. Some things I'm like good core idea. But I was I was I was open to that, and that led me to the the tip I gave last week. And I preached to everybody: never give up free content. 
and have your players build a world for you. You know, my, my players want to play, like I said, play cleric. What kind of cleric do you want? That makes me build a god. Or maybe they build themselves. Um, give me a setting. Give me a thing. A thing about where are you from? What kind of things do you want to know? Uh, in our play test last night, Jamie was, you know, was, uh, was a little bit of lawyering there, and I appreciate that. Going on about, he goes, well, if I had access to Arcanotech um, in the game world, I think my character would have been all over that. Here's some reasons why. And I'm like, okay, he loves that shit. He'd be all over that. And what would be great about it is I could start the campaign at level one. He tells me where he's from. And all of that shit can get built out of there just by him telling me what he enjoys and how cool it would be if these well, things were there for his character. Was that the same guy who was saying he had the favorite enemy and he wanted to change his favorite enemy to the things we were fighting now? Was that... Because I no. mean, that's sort, of the, that's sort of the same thing. There was a player who was like, oh, well, my, my favorite enemy is a, is a giant. Um, my favorite, en- favorite enemy is a giant. Can I make my favorite enemy these robot things we're fighting? Which, I don't... I, Again, that's a campaign thing. That's a world building thing yeah. that you work with your players. We keep yeah. Talking about that. Well, yeah. Well, I love, I love that, I mean, and I like uh, as 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 or cheaty as that might feel. I love that the players want to make choices based on what's going on in the game. That shit is the most amazing thing. So, all right. Well, hey, everybody, uh, we're uh, we're an hour and ten into this. Uh, uh, I think it's going good so far. I appreciate you guys being here. Uh, but I think we're going to move in, we're going to get ready to move into our break here. So I'm going to tell you guys a quick story. Uh, but before I do doc, anything you want to throw in there, uh, to close out world building? Um, no, no, I'm good. I, I think I'm good. I got my shout outs, but we're going to save them for later. Yeah. Um, well, you know what, how, you know what, why don't you, uh, I, I, how about you give me one right now? We were talking about, uh, another content creator, um, you know, putting stuff out there for us, people that we've talked to. Uh, give me one and I'll tell the story. Who do you want? Uh, well, Who do you got? Well, I got to thank, I, I got to thank some, uh, Facebook groups that, that definitely share our podcast, uh, okay. my D and D and D and D for life. I got to give both the shout out. Always share it out. They always share it out for us. Uh, give us thumbs up. So, uh, they've been with me from the beginning, even when like do like crappy memes with bad spelling, they still put them up for me, pat me on the back, say Hello. nice job. So no, I, it's I great. And let me tell you something, guys. There's nothing better than building up your community. You can join us here at Dungeon Studios. Um, but any nerds you have access to, it only enriches your experience. So, uh, you know. Let's hear this dragon story. Come right. on. So, uh, so uh, I, I, I have a couple of longstanding campaigns that I ran. Um, only two of them really ever got to completion. And uh, as it was in the olden days, characters didn't live very long, right? Right. So, <laughs> we had uh the our game came to an end i believe it was 10th i think it was 9th or 10th level which is high level for us because apparently i kill players a lot i guess i don't know where that comes from you saw the play test i barely even challenged you guys oh no we we were we were wetting our pants there you think you weren't challenging us well it could have been better go ahead keep going but no so uh so we wrap up the campaign with a very underwhelming boss fight because my players cheat um i'll tell i'll tell that story next time but we uh, were like, all right, well, what are we going to do now? We finished the main storyline, and I'm like, well, we can keep playing, I guess. I mean, I never have characters get to 10th level in 2nd edition D&D. It was rare. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll throw some stuff together. So we uh, we did a couple of terrible little episodic games, and, you know, they were okay, but they weren't great. 
And what we came to, and this is exactly what I heard in your playtest for Pillars of Light, was, man, I've never fought a dragon before. I'm like, yeah, you're right. We never fought a dragon. And we never get high enough level. Now, in 5e for you youngins, um, you know, the, the monsters are designed and, the you know, you can fight a dragon when you're low level, um, you know, and then there are dragons that are kind of scaled for you at whatever point you're at. So the dragon fight is never really a, a thing that's out of reach. In 2nd right, edition D&D... The art can be set properly. Yeah, right? in 2nd edition D&D... Back when they hated you, uh, and everything was trying to kill you, and could uh, dragons were a pretty serious business. And I was playing uh, my home game. We had two people. <laughs> a lot of people would come and go, um, and we had you know we had games that had four or five people, but it was just just the same core two. Uh, one of which is my buddy Jamie, who's in the playtest. Well, I'm like, all right, well you guys want? Yeah, it's like, yeah, okay, we got to fight a dragon. Like, we want to do this. Yeah, okay. I'm like, all right, well, let me figure out some some way to make that happen. Maybe it'll happen, right? So I come, I finally come up with a storyline, and we get we get playing through it, and we get to the dragon fight, and they know it's coming, and I have this, you know, they they got to the first part great, and I have this whole gigantic, you know, dungeon planned out in my mind, and you know, uh, minions and defenses, and they're gonna right. battle their way down. And at the base of this volcano, they're going to fight the, this elder red dragon. It's going to be the most epic thing ever. We're totally going to make up for them completely ruining my actual uh, big bad endgame villain from the main campaign. They get to the outside of the cave. One of the players, look, the other player looks at me and goes, hey, he goes, uh, it's a volcano, right? Oh, yeah. There's lava coming out? Yeah. So there's like cracks and fissures and things, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there is. He goes, well, I'm going to cast a spell. And I will tell you what that spell was after our break. Thank you for hanging out with us. Please, uh, I hope you stick around with the break. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, put it on social media. Post it in your Facebook groups. Whatever you got to do, get people to come to us. Uh, we're always looking for new friends, uh, new people to listen. And in particular, always looking for playtesters. So, Check out this super commercial, man. Yeah, it's good. So uh, I'm going to throw us on mute. I'm going to bring up the game music, and I'm going to transition over uh, to our commercial. Enjoy it. We'll be back in just a few minutes. That wasn't the worst transition that I've done. Welcome back, everyone. Doc, you with me? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Wonderful. 
All right. If you stuck around through the break, thank you very much. Uh, I cannot say enough of how I am impressed every time uh, our production people, Dungeon Studios, put together a commercial, uh, a trailer, uh, effects, graphics. Uh, all of the stuff you see playing on the screen uh, is their hard work. They are way better at this than I will ever be. And uh, I almost feel bad that someday we're going to have our ugly mugs up on here mucking up the whole show. I thought it was just gnomes. I hate everything. That's my shtick. Uh, which I realized like half, maybe 20 minutes in, um, after all of our technical problems, which is just the way things go, I did not introduce myself or you. So thanks for coming back to us. We're your hosts, Grom, Grumpy Old Man Merwin, uh, and the inscrutable, the ever awesome, and the very sleepy Dr. Vitorius. Thank you. Yes, I am getting sleepy tonight. It's been a little bit late with all those. Those supernatural technical difficulties. We yeah, every, it's every time. It's every, there's, and it's something new or different every, every single time. time. Uh, I will say I didn't get to give my gaming tip at the beginning either because I'm trying to manage a bunch of stuff and my brain is jelly. Um, I have a firm belief. I've had it for my most of my gaming career, and I will continue with it until the end of it. Uh, no game that starts on time ever goes well. So there always needs to be somebody late. Otherwise, you're bringing the bad juju down. End of story. <clears throat> That's a hill I'm going to die on. You're not going to change my mind. <clears throat> Excuse me. And with that, let me pick up my story. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. So they asked the questions. I said, I'm going to cast a spell. I said, what spell are you going to cast? Well, it's wizard eye. And I'm like, let me see that. What does it do? Well, it allows me to send a little eyeball and go explore up to like a mile away it can fit through like a one inch crack. So I'm going to work my way through these lava cracks until I find my way uh, to the lowest point of the volcano. I'm like, okay. And then I quickly realize that obviously the boss fight is in a magma chamber in the base of the volcano, you know, so they can easily follow the lava waterfall to get to the bottom. So they do all that. And I'm like, all right, not a big deal. I'm good. They'll see the dragon. I want it to be awesome anyways. It would have been cooler to see it when they walk in for the first time. But fine, you're going to take a sneak peek. I don't care. I got a whole dungeon for you guys to go through to get there. It's going to be great. Right. And he gets that. He goes, he goes, yeah, see the dragon? I go, yes, you do. He goes, great, wonderful. He goes, I'm going to cast a spell on it. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's at the bottom of the volcano. He goes, read, he goes, read Wizard Eye again. I read it. The player can use this to cast spells through. I'm like, son of a bitch. I'm like, okay. I mean, it's like a an Elder Red Dragon in second edition Dungeons and Dragons. It's got it's got immunity to magic. Like it's it just it just has you just make a roll and it might just ignore your spell entirely. It's got a massive bonus to it's all of its saving throws are great. I'm like, all right, I'm like, you're gonna like piss it off and wake it up maybe, but like this isn't that big of a deal. I mean, what are you gonna hit for some damage? You're not gonna kill it with one spell. I go, what spell do you cast? And I'm all ready to just watch him, you know, my player cry in horror as his efforts right. go in vain. He goes, well, I'm going to cast Prismatic Sphere. Oh, okay, what's that do again? Uh, like, does a bunch of damage or it stuns him? He goes, no, 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 no. No, it makes this big dome and there's all these effects he's got to save against. Okay, and I look at the spell. And, you know, first layer of the dome, it does, you know, uh, you know, whatever D6 acid damage. Second layer is like a barrier of force. And if it hits you, it does something crazy. And I'm like, all right, I'm not, I'm not even worried about this. And then I, you know, I start going layer by layer. I'm like, ah, 
This, you know, he's magic resistant. This, this layer doesn't affect him. Second saving throw. I roll a great number. He's fine. Third one. Ah, he took a little bit of damage. Who cares? Fourth one. I roll like a three. I'm like, oh, he fails. Let's say he fails his magic, his magic immunity roll. Well, I make a saving throw. Oh, I rolled another three. So uh, he's not immune, and he gets hit with a spell. Which what layer is it? It's layer four. What does that do? It says it's the banishment layer. I'm like, okay, and I read it, and it says uh, character hitting this layer and failing their saving throw is banished to some other you know outworldly plane for one year, just gone. And I'm like, well, <laughs> shit. So at the start of the session. Before even going an inch into the dungeon, they have, with one spell and a couple of bad rolls, defeated the dragon. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I can't. I'm at a loss for words. And I'm like, uh, you know, and, and uh, uh, I, I, I like, you know, magic is awesome. And I, I like clever players. And I would never think of cheating them of their victory with some nonsense. <clears throat> Although I did reread the rules for about 10 minutes just to make sure I did everything right. And I checked, and I'm like, come on, this dragon can cast spells. Can it uh, Can it plane shift or something? Nope, it's trapped forever. Awesome. So they ruined <clears throat> ruined my goddamn game. And that were you ever, was... Were you ever able to DM a, a dragon again, or did you have to, like... Um, well, uh, no, here's the thing. So um, <laughs> I did not run a legitimate dragon fight until... Last year, uh, I mentioned that we did a charity event at the uh, now defunct local game store where I live. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was done. Uh, it was D&D for DMD, uh, uh, Duchesne's Muscular Dystrophy. There was a, a kid a couple towns over that was a gamer, excuse me, uh, that had passed away from the disease, uh, unfortunately. And uh, the local store decided to do the, a fundraiser for, you know, through his sister. And that's to, when you came back to do a dragon. Yeah, yeah. I had, yeah, I had built, uh, we were, and this is still in the works. Maybe we'll get it put out someday for use, but uh, built a mega dungeon, a mega funhouse style dungeon in the old D&D tournament uh, tradition. And we had a bunch, oh, nice. and, and we had a bunch of rules and everything around it to generate money. Um, it was a great time, and I had, and the boss fight <laughs> was going to be against an ancient red dragon, right? That was the end. That was the end of the mega dungeon, um, and the players got nowhere near <laughs> because, and the reason why though was for the best reason: the spectate, the people in the game, the spectators, even the one kid's mom, were throwing down money to pump up encounters, add extra monsters to uh, help or hurt the players, and we raise like $1,000 for the charity. <laughs> so it was a great result. It was a good reason to not get anywhere. So at the end of the night, we're sitting there. It's been, uh, we started at noon. It is almost midnight. And I'm like, you know what? I made a dragon fight, damn it. I got terrain for it. Who's got money? Let's do it. And, and we just ran the fight, and it was awesome. Uh, if anyone ever wants to check it out, you can go to, um, I believe it's up on uh, my YouTube uh, and my Twitch, uh, Old Man Merwin, and you can find the, the stream and watch the boss fight. Uh, you, know, it's, you know, it's interesting. My what? first my first test play was about a year ago at Dungeon Studios, and it was actually the uh, Guardian Iceberg module from our first series of modules mm -hmm. and you know they're available at dungeonstudios.co so you can go get a cool dragon battle there if you know we're talking about it and you're fired up 
go check yeah. it out. Awesome. And uh, just so you guys know, uh, we're going to do some shameless plugs and talk about the Kickstarter for a minute here before we move on to uh, our second topic uh, to close the evening out. So with the Kickstarter, one of the cool things about this is that there's a lot of ways you can get involved um, in having tiers. You know, your basic level tier going to give you a couple of the adventures out of this volume two module. So if you're looking for high level stuff, you don't have anything on hand, you can grab General's Lost Galen, you can grab Titan's Peak. If you're looking for some starter stuff, you can go ahead and pick up the, the Botel and you can pick up, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, pick up Misty Towers. Uh, or mix and match whatever you want if you're into that kind of stuff. So if you're looking for something with a murder mystery and you're looking for something that has technology in it, you know, make your choices. Um, then you can go from there. That's a $10 level. You get up to 15, you get three adventures, 30, and you get all the adventures, but wait, there's more. I feel like I'm doing an infomercial. I love it. Well, that's, that's the early bird. Right? Oh, that's, that's the early, early, that's right. That's, that's the early bird. Early Sorry. Bird. That's call. early bird. So 40. So if you're not in a, if you're not in early, it'll cost you 40 to get everything, and but still 10 bucks cheaper if you buy it early. During yeah. And let's, day. let's be honest. When, when I, even when I was coming up, I think it was, it would have been $10 a module when, I was in high school. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we were talking, we're talking 70 yeah. bucks. 40 is a way better price. But you get above that, we get into some of the best stuff here. And that is uh, at the $60 tier, you're going to get both Volume 2 and our original Kickstarter Volume 1 adventures. Then going up from there, we just keep throwing more stuff on there. You get the adventures at the $100 level. But also, we will turn you into an Enron NPC. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And we'll make sure your PC shows up in an upcoming adventure. So that's right. That's the whole bit is you got to be in the adventure to be yeah. a real NPC. Now, also, uh, you get a chance to meet online. I don't want anybody coming to my house. Um, one of the writers uh, from Dungeon Studios who's going to work with you to develop your stat block and, and everything for your character artwork and and, and everything included. So um, for a hundred bucks, that's not too bad. Not only do you get obviously adventures. So you get something that you get something to use. You end up being part of a module. I can tell you, uh, as a young nerd, one of the things that really fired me up was the idea that someday, someday, I might see my name on a book or a, a, a game product on a shelf and know that somebody else might buy it. And we're getting pretty close to that point, uh, and I'm really fired up about that. And, but like pretty cool you yeah know, that is pretty cool when you, when you've played a game and you're that into it and that's the thing like i said at the beginning of the show you know we're just fans we enjoy it that much that you know we're we're super involved yep and we like we said yeah and like know? we said in the last episode uh you know i i re- we realize that people fall <clears throat> on a spectrum uh, of it some people are creatives like like us that are really driven to 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 make the content and some people are just consumers both ends are perfectly fine. Uh, we want everybody at our table, but this is a great opportunity if you are a consumer, you know, and you know you're maybe you're never going to write a module that's not in, that's not in your dreams. You can still find yourself contributing to these kind of products and be able to say, hey, you want to see something cool? Open up that module right there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Check definitely. the NPC. Yeah, check the NPC section out. You recognize that guy, and your and your friends will be like, that's awesome. <laughs> It is, uh, no, it's a, it's a great thing to get and do and do. Uh, we have a couple other tiers here. Obviously, you can get, you know, you can get both adventure packs uh, plus your NPC for just $10 or $20 more, which is, uh, again, still a pretty good steal. Uh, and I believe there was some talk about other stretch goals and expanding things uh, in here. So stay tuned. Uh, we may update the Kickstarter tiers. You may get more value for your buck. You may get more things. 
or some stuff that you are uh, more interested in. So, And don't uh, forget, go to our website, dungeonstudios.co. Yep. You can check out little previews there, little, little artwork. We have some merch there, too, to check yeah. out. I love that. I love those shirts and stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. You get some. Uh, you get to check out some of the cool artwork. Get inspired, and uh, there are links there for not only. Uh, not only can you see. The sorry, excuse me, uh, uh, the store, but links to the podcast, links to uh, Dungeon Studios' other show, the Tabletop Cinema, which uh, myself and I believe Doc have been on before. And then, yeah, and don't forget, you can also subscribe for our newsletter there, too. So A hundred percent. And we do have a Patreon, like I said, uh, for Dungeon Studios. You can get in there. You can help support us. You know, throw us a dollar. Keep everybody going. You can join at, at different tiers. Um, we have a whole team of people. And there is content there separate from everything else that we have talked about. Uh, I know, Doc, you've worked on some stuff for that. Um, you get, you know, you can go in there and you can get the Anaron Chronicles. You can get, be part of the Patreon and you can see, um, adventures that are designed, not just for Enron, but for any game, generic stuff. You can see, uh, you know, our side quests and a bunch of other series. Doc, what have you worked on for the Patreon? I know yeah, you've been doing we that. got, we got, uh, some one page adventures, which is like a map with some details on them where you can just throw them right down and have a one, you know, you can have a, a, a one shot right there. Um, we have some encounters, just sort of throw them in to spice up your um, your game. I have one right now where you, you know, no matter where you are, you come across this monolith in the forest and just sort of add some spice and creativity to your campaign. Um, so there's lots of neat stuff we have. Um, there's some interviews with artists and writers. Uh yeah, I think mine's. I think mine's coming up in the oh, December yeah, I one. You are. I think you are the next interview, aren't May, you? Maybe you get to hear even more of me running my yapper, which I'm sure everybody is super fired up for. And then, uh, of course, we got a monster <clears throat> and usually a magic item. Um, I think there's a spell in there too. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I apologize. I, I just realized I forgot to mute myself for a second there. I apologize if anybody heard the uh, <clears throat> uh, what I just did. I was getting a drink a little bit too fast. Hey, really quick, let me uh, just going through the Facebook live feed. Thank you guys for sticking around with us. Uh, let me answer a couple of questions. Uh, the tiers will be uh, on Kickstarter. You'll be able to see all that stuff when we go live. Uh, I'm not sure if you can see them ahead of time. That is a producer Josh question. Uh, so feel free uh, to throw me a message if there's somewhere you can see the tiers before the Kickstarter launches on Black Friday. And uh, the other question that we got in here about what the stretch goals are going to be, I don't have that in my ad copy. I am not 100% certain, but if producer Josh wants to throw me some information, I'll be more than happy to read it on uh, on the podcast so you guys can get answers to your questions. Yeah, he's got some time to, to get them to us too because we were going to cover this other topic, right? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, I really want to – so uh, I mentioned before really quick that I like – Stretch goals updated in document. It's in there. Give me one second to refresh. I'm probably going to destroy the entire internet when I hit this button. <laughs> work, work, please work. Roll, roll a die, roll a save. <sighs> roll a save. Stretch goals. Hey, there we go. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. See, look at all this cool stuff in here. See, I didn't hit the refresh button. I would have missed all this. Thank you, producer Josh. So, uh, stretch goals. Um, we have. The Luhor, a loser, Luhor, Lejor. I apologize for the pronunciation. I'm probably butchering that character's name. The Alchemist Cookbook, uh, a supplement that we that's going to be available uh, for our first stretch goal. I believe with two thousand uh, dollars. We get to that point, 
uh, we're going to throw this in the out there uh, for everyone to get a hold of, um, which I believe, if I remember correctly, is going to be spells and items and items. Uh, other good yeah. stuff. Uh, next I up, I believe there's some recipes too, like okay, some cool kind of recipe stuff, like craft, like uh, crafting stuff, recipes, or like how to make a cheeseburger at home recipe. No, 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 like how to like make a magic potion recipe. Oh, like nice. Different like animal creatures and put things together, and then it becomes a potion kind of. Thing. Oh, I love it. Then we have our bonus encounter bundle at the next tier up twenty five hundred, uh, a collection of ten encounters that you can add into any game. Uh, I personally. Do not like random encounters and rolling off tables, but I do like having pre-built full encounters that I can go through and say, this one makes sense in my game. I'm going to use this. Uh, I like that kind of stuff. These are things that I personally have. Looking at my bookshelf here, I have two things, uh, supplement books that I've bought before. and One of them is a book of encounters. The other is a book of NPCs and characters. Uh, which I am a big fan and, of, and these and these, you know, we really too try to like dress up like an SRD monster, so it's got a little more oomph to it, you know. Um, like, uh, say, you know, you come across a, a cockatrice and 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 all like a cockatrice eggs, and they all hatch right in front of you, so you know, kind of give it a little bit more of a twist um, than a regular encounter too. So that's uh, yeah, very nice. Uh, Three thousand, we're gonna expand the cookbook to include even more art and content. 3500 we got our side quest bundle. That's what we were talking about. Uh, we're building some of those on the Patreon, but we hit this tier. More than happy to throw you guys some more stuff in, in its own separate thing. And then looks like we're at $5,000 as the backer's choice. I'm going to read this verbatim. I hope it's not uh, anything crazy. But uh, in return for this level of support, we will create an eighth adventure, and we will allow the backers to pick from several different prompts as to which one we will add. So... Uh, I'm sure there'll be more information about that as time goes on. And uh, I, I'm just going to guess. Uh, it's not like we hit 5,000 and we stop throwing throwing stuff in there. I bet if we can get to 10 or higher, I'm sure we'll unlock more stretch goals. We will expand this. And yeah, we have I'm, a lot of contacts. You know, we have a lot of contacts, Dungeon Studios. So there'll be a lot available to us the more the Kickstarter yeah. moves. Yeah, no, we're uh, we're hoping to get some guests on the show uh, coming up, including uh, yeah. an entire band. Last week we played uh, one of their uh, videos. The the Splintered tune is pretty reality. catchy. Splintered reality. Splintered reality. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're looking to have those guys on. We also have uh, some other in-house writers, people that we uh, uh, have talked with, collaborated with, or work with us at Dungeon Studios. Uh, one of which is a, like is a professional DM and a streamer. I can't wait to get him on the show and talk to him. That's RKDM. Uh, uh, we were uh, in conversation with some of our other friends that have streaming things on there. I'm a huge horror fan, uh, so we're hoping to get uh, our yeah, get, get our friend Barry on Barry the Movie Demon on with yeah, us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or again, talking about back to the name thing, he has the coolest nickname ever. He's Hell's Historian. I love that shit. That's phenomenal. <laughs> so all things we got coming up on the show. So remember, like, share, subscribe, throw us some money. We're poor. We need it. We appreciate it. Uh, but with that being said, uh, I'm just going to quickly throw a little thing out there. Um, we do not script this. Uh, I think th I think everything that goes wrong at the start of every episode should definitely guarantee that you know we have no idea what we're doing. Um, <laughs> two people talking. Um, we don't edit these, and uh, we're not following anything that's, that's pre-written, except for the shameless plugs and ad copy stuff. Um, so... Uh, I know this has come up. It's a hot-button topic in a lot of places. And um, our second-half topic here, already 
started from uh, a relatively simple con- a relatively simple comment and people taking different sides on an issue. So um, these are our opinions, and like I said, we're having a conversation. So it's not like we thought these out ahead of time. <laughs> so if I say anything stupid, oh well, it is what it is. Uh, it's the internet. That's the beauty of it. But uh, go ahead and hit me up. What do you want to talk about, Doc? So so it was four days ago. uh, We have an article by uh, Sean Murray in The Gamer. Uh, Give some credit where credit is due. And the article is talking about Dungeons & Dragons requiring a cultural consultant for every release following the Spelljammer controversy. Um, And, you know, if you're into gaming and you're familiar with uh, old Spelljammers, I I don't really want to go into that. Uh, particular situation um, but what I want to talk about is the end of this it talks about here uh, that the the D&D head honcho Christopher Perkins has taken uh, to the D&D blog and explains that they'll do better with future releases and that they're going to in- include an inclusion an inclusion review process that will catch offensive contents before it can be published now, before I, I know you're going to go off on me. So before you do, it says previously inclusion reviews were done at the discretion of the product lead who identified which pieces of a product needed an outside inclusion review. The studio's new process mandates that every word, illustration and map must be reviewed by multiple outside cultural consultants prior to publication um now the the thing i don't get about this is you know we're talking about fantasy worlds here um where does a cultural consultant come in i mean should we have a fantasy consultant um uh well i have um i've i've ranted about this um kind of stuff for a long time uh and i'm gonna do it again here and i uh i can already in my mind, I just hear uh, everyone going, oh, no. Uh, but really, um, what I got to say about this, I think, is relatively tame. I, I was hyping it up before the show. Um, but uh, I don't think anything I'm going to say is going to be super crazy. Uh, <clears throat> so. Hit us, hit us. Come on. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm getting, it's dramatic. Pa- it's a pregnant pause. You got to give yeah, me. Yeah, the, yeah, it's yeah, the, it's the theater ahead. nerd in me going on here. Yeah, go ahead, theater nerd. This is a topic that has driven me crazy for a long time, um, it, as it, as it has come up, and, and I'm going to explain why. Anyone who has spent five seconds listening to Chris Perkins or any of the people from Wizards of the Coast D and D the design team, do you really think any of those people were trying to offend? Or bother somebody with their fantasy creation. Everyone looked at that and said, you know what? That's pretty cool. I like it. It's it's neat. And what kills me about this is that this is a clear example of people bringing their own baggage into something. Well, yeah, I, and, the, and the funny thing is this was written a long time ago. It's an, it's a, it's an armoire to what was written a long time ago and just updating it to today. It right. wasn't meant as like a shot at anybody. No. And here's the thing I want to, I, I, wanna, I got some specifics I want to throw into this just for context. Right. I have been playing games and have been into fantasy and things 
since I was, I think three, if I, if, if I remember correctly, um, I, like, I remember my parents taking me to the theaters to see, um, to see Return of the Jedi. Um, I vaguely remember Empire Strikes Back. So I, I was born the year Star Wars came out. Um, not a shock that oh it's my, my gosh, this would be a whole nother discussion. Well, not, not, yeah, not a shock that it's my favorite thing ever. Right. Um, okay. so when to see return of the Jedi as a little kid and, and, and I've been on this path forever. I have never, unless it was intended by the creator, looked at the orcs or the drow or any of those things and gone. Oh yeah. Yep. I see what you did there. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know, I'm, I'm on yeah, board, exactly. right? And, yeah. So like never. Right. And here's the thing I, and, you know, and here's the thing I have had, um, like slavers and slavery in my games for years. You know what they, you know what they, you know what that is. And they always are. They're the villains. They're, they're the people that you go and overthrow. You set people. That's what heroes do. Right. Right. You know, right. and you know, that that is how it is now. In some and there is some media that has an idea. I'm a big fan of Shadowrun, and one of the things, uh, you know, you know, one of the things that that they have in there is the awakened races and everything. Um, you know, people associate, you know, try to associate those with you know real world cultures and whatnot. Whatever the movie Bright, which is one of my favorite ones on Netflix, um, which is basically just Shadowrun, which they don't—I I don't know how they don't have like pay the rights for it—but they make it a point that the orcs in the Bright, you know, they they do they do exactly what the real world has, you know, uh, they portray you know they're in South Central Los Angeles, and the orcs are Latinos. That's that that's what they are. That's that's clearly what you're intended to see, right? No. And they and they and they make and they make a point how the the police the one character that is an orc and he's a cop and he's you know he's turning his back on his people and they have their whole culture thing, it's right out there in the open. That's the intention of the media, is for you to see that conclusion because they're using it as a vehicle to tell a story and give you, uh, you make it feel a certain way. But they also drop in there that you know you know some people have problems with them, but at the same time, have you know over half the offensive lines in the NFL are made up of orcs. Because they're giant, strong, dense, right, they're right. super linemen, right? There's both sides of this kind of thing. Um, but this has driven me crazy because it's people bringing their own baggage. So for those you youngins that don't aren't history people, um, one of the one of the recent attacks that's come up in all of this stuff, the angles that they've tried to get in here and claim all this racist stuff is is secretly dog whistled in the game, is the idea of orcs being uh, an analog for Africans. Here's the thing. Uh, Tolkien created the orcs. I don't think there's anybody before him except for historical mythological sources. And I, even that, I don't think there is. I might be wrong about that. I apologize if I am. But Tolkien was a was a veteran of World War One. I. I was going to say, everything, <clears throat> most of his was based the, on... He, and on... he swore up and down that he hates allegory, right? right? That nothing is allegorical. That's wonderful. I don't under I don't see how you can watch Lord of the Rings or read Lord of the Rings and not see the clear analogy between the industrialized war machine of the World War One German army and the, and, yeah, and, the and, and the orcs in Tolkien's writing. Yeah, exactly. I, I so he's he swore you know, he would always say that he he uh, categorically detests allegory, but that's what I see. So like that's like Germans. That's that's what the orcs 
I, I, they can't be anything else. Now, again, Tolkien's a guy, a man of his times, obviously a uh, different world back in the, in the thirties and forties when he was writing this stuff. But that's the, like, that's the analogy that I see. It doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, again, do, do we, do we really think that the, 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 that the convention nerds who have been playing war games forever decided to write Dungeons and Dragons and put in all these monsters because they were secretly making, you know, stabs at people because of, uh, you know, because of, uh, you know, their nefarious intents or, uh, affiliations. Yeah, sure. It totally could happen. And I a hundred percent have been around people and gamers that run the spectrum of all manner of stupid opinions and nasty ideas. I'm not saying it isn't possible. I'm not it's saying it's, it's, it's funny. It's funny because years ago it was Satan, right? Yep. Now it's racism. Like, yeah. What's it going to be, you know, in another 30 years, what, yeah. what is it suppressing, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. And what, what, the, what, what bugs me the most about, what bugs me the most about it is this idea that everything before now was horrible but now but but now these people are all amazingly perfect they're the, the best who's ever lived they're the best that, like like no like it's, the, the it's sort of the it's sort of the like everybody uh, gets a trophy kind of thing it kind of i don't even see here's the thing i don't even know if it's i don't even know if it's that it's i i think i, I again i it's i think it's people maybe their hearts in the right place uh maybe they're trolls who knows but it just uh, it gets me because, like I said, you have to you have to bring that, and and I, you know, and and I'm not saying that that people aren't like that, and I'm not saying that. Again, looking at the 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 swath of gamers that you've run into in your life, that there may that there isn't some level of gatekeeping, but I don't, I would never in a million years, I don't think it's anything intentionally built in, um, you know. Uh, originally and definitely not anything from the 5e from the from the current D team right i just right. i i can't wrap my head around that but um I, I, go ahead no i think i think the other thing that's really big here i think this is big for the kickstarter and the independent <clears throat> creators now because now they can create something and a customer and a consumer can buy what they want um and and this is sort of a line that sort of gets blurry because what if you want the campaign that's you know the Roman slaves and the you know it, and if, if that's what you want to play that's that's your right to play that I, I don't I don't think you can take that away from people either. Um, yeah. Well, I was gonna go ahead. Right, no, you go ahead. No, I was gonna say like you know uh, you know I read that and I'm like all right cool I can't wait for the I, I can't wait did you hear the next campaign setting that they've announced? Uh, it's called Blah. And uh, you can be any combination of blah and blah you want, and your blahs live in blah, and there's no conflict or any strife. But if there is, the worst it gets is that your blah becomes meh, and then you have to struggle <laughs> to become blah again. Like I, yeah, like, like, I, I, and I've had this conversation with with people too. It's like there needs to uh, there needs to be some conflict in the game, and uh, I, I have a whole thing about the death of the hero narrative. I started talking about we'll save it for another show, but I, I don't. I don't get the shift in philosophy where it went from being a heroic fantasy to being a bunch of people just randoming around. Well, and, 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 and but here's the thing too: it could be it could be anything, you know. I, there's another thing I I sort of uh, I, I have I guess I have a question. Okay. Um. So so when someone says my game is LGBTQ friendly, mm-hmm. right? 
and I'm, I probably didn't say all the letters right because of my disability. My brain doesn't work right. Um, but that that's meaning like what my pronoun is or whatever is friendly at the table. But does that mean the content at the table is LGBTQ friendly? Like, is that like my table is LGBTQ friendly, but my content is rated R? Like, like how does that all work? Uh, I think that- the biggest um, the biggest thing with what you're saying is that I don't know that they necessarily understand how that works because um, okay, I can t- I can tell you that. That that phrase and what you get for a game is probably different between every group and table and what whatever. Right, that's what I mean. Like you know, I see because, that phrase a lot in all these web pages and everything. Yeah. Like, what is what do they mean? I don't. And I don't I don't mean to be derogatory. I want to know what that means, but yeah. I mean, I, at the end of the day, I think the the reality of it is this: <clears throat> that uh, not every player has things they like and things they don't like. They have things they're okay with and things they're not okay with. Every DM runs their game the way they want to run their game. They include what they want to include. They leave out what they want to leave out, right? Right, right. That right. is the, the and and the the idea that you need uh, an inclusion uh, consultant is madness because it, it is a fantasy game that is open to everyone. And that's, you, that's it can be whatever you want it to be. I, I, you see the jokes on the internet all the time that you know I'm running my game and my players are a bunch of nine year olds. So the game, so every monster it becomes a a exercise in how are we going to turn it into our pet? That's right. what they want to do. Great, exactly, then awesome. That's what they want to do. You know, and if you want, if you want, you know, if you want mature content, if you want edgy content, that that's entirely up to you. And yeah, I am certainly positive that there are people out there that if you listen to their games and saw the things that they did you would clearly know you, you know you would know what's up I, again that's just the sad reality of the world humans are messy people suck you know and and you're going to get that but i think by and large it is not the majority of gamers because let, let's be perfectly honest um when all of us old people came up playing the game you didn't talk about it. It was a nerd thing. You'd get ridiculed for it. You'd get bullied for it, which is that's horrible. True. No, that's absolutely true. Uh, you know, but, you know, like, we would have loved to have anybody who wanted to come play the game with us. We didn't give a shit because you didn't, a lot of times you didn't have people. You couldn't, there weren't groups like that. And now it's ex- it's exploded and it's become mainstream and that isn't, a, isn't really a problem anymore. And this feels a lot like people... Looking to have a problem is something that probably really isn't a problem. Yeah, I'm just I'm just intrigued to see, you know, how they move forward. You know, are, are prices of products going to go up if you know? Oh, of course. Being, you know, uh, I will I will I will say this: they um, they would do better focusing on getting. Well, you know, they, they would do better focusing on getting a uh, uh, a good writing consultant. Um, more than anything else. I already, I already told you what they're going to do. They're not going to worry about Dungeons and Dragons now. They're just going to apply the rules to everything in the world. I'm waiting for Scooby Two Dungeons and Dragons to come out. Oh, of course. If you get, look, if you, capitalism always wins. If you can make a buck on it, it's good. Yeah, um, yeah. But to, to kind of close this topic out, as we're uh, we're late in the evening, and thank you guys for hanging out. Yeah. Um, my my thought on it is this, and I'll use a, a sports analogy because I'm a nerd, right? Um, the same controversy went has gone through the professional sport or has gone through the sports world uh, before it's gotten to D and D, you know, and uh, I always counter it with with this. Um, 
there's a reason why every team in the NFL isn't the Washington football team, the New York football team, the Buffalo football team, right? They're, they're named for things that have a meaning and a purpose. Um, and a lot, and, and many of them typically with, you know, the animals and whatnot, they're named for things that are supposed to be inspiring, you know, and, and not, and not, and not that I'm going to, not that I'm going to be naive enough to say that the, you know, uh, the term redskin isn't offensive to some people. I'm sure it is. Uh, I don't doubt that whatsoever. Do you really think, do you really think that when they were naming the football team said, you know what, you know, what would be really cool. I want, I want my team to be named after this dirt, you know, uh, after a racist joke, because those people are pathetic and awful. Ha ha ha. Isn't it funny? No, they named, they named it after that because they were trying to pull the inspiration from the, you know, from the warrior. That's why you have the Braves, the Braves, the the Seminoles. Yeah. Yeah. Those, yeah. I mean, again, Cowboys and Indians, that is, that is, that is as American as it gets. It's, it's burned into your, that's why we have the Dallas Cowboys because someone saw that and said, okay, this is great. Now, look, I, I, I'm not, again, I'm not ignorant. I know what the chiefs, I know what the, um, the Cleveland Indians logo looked like in like the eighties. Probably, probably some, probably a bad idea. But at the end of the day, nobody named their team after something that was going to be a mockery, a joke, or a dig at somebody. They named it to be inspirational. You know, orcs and you know, orcs and D and D. You know, or orcs and fantasy were created um, because somebody went through a war with an enemy that's very similar to the way the orcs are. That's where that that's where that came from. The the drow thing I, I mentioned it and somebody threw it in the comments. The the whole the whole thing about drow and changing it. Oh, that is that is a that is a clash of game design philosophy. But yeah, but like you know. Well, again, it, it's, it's it's positive for the independent. It's yeah, positive for the independent creators. I and that's the way I got to look at it. I'm just you know sorry that the game has to go that way and people are putting up red flags for silly stuff that's yeah and again like no you know not to get into another controversy but there was a there was a similar thing with um with um gygax's kid and their company there's a whole legal thing going on with that that i'm definitely not going to get into and now here's the thing i don't uh, i didn't get too too deep into it because i don't i i'm an adult and i have a real life I, i you know so i don't have all the time in the world to dig into nonsense you know people are mad at him okay great all right it, it is. It is what it is. Maybe. Maybe he is all the horrible things that they say. Okay. Okay. You know what? If uh, if their con, you know, if if their content reflects that, then you have then you have a choice to make as a consumer. That's the way it is. And, and that's that's what it really comes down to. Yeah. Too, it's your choice as a consumer. Even what's on the television, you know, when you're choosing what you're watching yeah. or what you're paying for. Oh, it's like it's like the the Chick Fil A thing or Hobby Lobby. You know. Um. Yeah, you know, sure. my wife. Won't go to Hobby Lobby. Okay, that's cool. That's your choice. Yeah, uh, I'm not, and I'm, and, and I'm not. You know, I'm completely. I like. I could care less because I don't go to craft stores usually, as far <laughs> as anyone knows. But like, all right, it's my wife's choice. Oh, I'm not gonna you're going there for some terrain. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I'm a super nerd, but uh, yeah. But no, but I don't. I don't. I don't give her grief for that. Uh, you know, I, I know people that specifically go to Chick Fil A because of their politics, and people who specifically don't. Okay. I'm not interested in paying nine dollars for a crappy chicken sandwich, so you know whatever. I don't care, but I get it. But that's that's that is the way. It's we're all adults, and you know I've had people. I'll give you guys a, a as as we're getting ready to wrap up here because I know it's getting late. Um, I'm going to throw out there a, a little game story 
to wrap up my thoughts on this on on this whole thing. And uh, really quick, uh, if anything we've said offends people, like it that's it is what it is. Like these are my these these are our opinions, and you know some people like them, some people won't. Uh, but again, just like I think with the team names, just like I think with the Hadozi, just like I think with Tolkien's orcs, none of those things were done with the intention of hurting, harming, or, um, putting anybody down. That's not the intent. It's not my intent to make anybody feel bad. My intent is to say shit on the internet that I, that I want to have conversations about nerdy stuff. And, you know, you know, you can't fix, you can't fix dumb without talking about it and sorting it out. Well, you know, and I, you know, and and my closing thought to that too is, you know, we're, we're we're far more being existentialists trying to project positive things into the future than being absurdists with saying that, you know, someone did this on purpose to hurt somebody else. I think that's the big thing there. Yeah. So, uh, so my closing thought, uh, just to wrap this topic up, uh, and move on to our final shameless plug before we take off for the evening, um, is I ran into a conflict along these lines um, in uh, one of the games I started up locally, right? And you know, it came. What it came down to was the kind of game that I run versus the kind of game the person wanted to play in, right? right? Yeah. And um, you know, when the breakup came, I took it very hard because I think I'm perfect. Uh, but they explained very cleanly, and and you know, I had missed it. Uh, that this was an issue, um, you know, and they said, they go, you know, I, you know, I respect you as a storyteller, but I don't want to, I don't want to play in a game where I constantly feel like I'm, my character's going to die. Okay. I get it, man. I, I don't want to play in a game where I know my character's not going to die. We are different people. You right. Can, right. You play the game the way you want with the people you want. I play with the way that I want. Table's not for everybody. It, it is what it is. And, you know, it is this thing. I'm not going to, you know, I don't go around shitting on that on the, on that player and telling them how dumb they are. Like, I don't do that. That's that's perfectly fine. I pl- I, I'm the guy that buys uh, or is going to buy the, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> laughing there. I'm the guy who's going to buy Gotham Knights and play it on nightmare mode from moment one and get killed 197,000 times before I remember how to do a three-hit combo. <laughs> and I'm going to break my controller. That's how I play the game. I got I, I have friends that buy it and put it on easy mode because they want to get the story as fast as possible. I'm not right. saying they're wrong for doing it. It's perfectly okay. So uh, for those of you guys that stuck around, we're going to hit the closing segment here. I really appreciate everyone that's listening to this. If you're, if you're listening at home, uh, on, you know on your uh, favorite podcast site, whether you get us from uh, Spotify or uh, Apple or Amazon, thanks for listening. Uh, you know, check us out. Join our groups. Support us. Look at the Patreon. Look through our, web, our the website dungeonstudios.co. And remember, always be ready to roll initiative. Yeah, I like it. But uh, you know, back our Kickstarter. Contribute. Keep listening. We thank you very much. And uh, my final thought, I keep working on this phrasing. One of these times, I'm going to get it, I'm gonna get it right. I'm going to final thought like three times, dude. Shh, I do. It's late, on. man. I'm tired. It's got to be final. Oh, God. No I like matter, to. Uh, no matter where you go, Merwin, there you are. Yeah, I like, I like to talk. So just remember, guys, we play role-playing games because they are games without limits. So why listen to conversations that are any different? Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Ha, ha, ha.